Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Cool. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Good day, good day from beautiful Ottawa. Where you actually have power. I have power, yes. Uh, yeah. Our friends from uh, uh, Habs Tonight does not, and Nick Lemire, she does not have power. Um, sorry, Nick, I hope you find some. <laughs> She doesn't live close enough to politicians. See, I live right down the road. Like, you know, I'm right here. So. Yeah, you got the connections, man. You got the connections. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, all right. So this is uh, episode 272. Unfiltered. We're just flying. Um. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Canadians' prospects, World Juniors, and a little bit of rumors that are out there. And we'll put our two cents in, and you guys will either listen for 30 seconds and block us, or, you know, if you've been drinking, you might listen to the whole thing. Smoking dope and helps you, you listen drink, to us, too. It does. Yeah. It does. Or edibles. But if you are going to drink, I suggest drinking Boxing Rocks Puck Off Lagerdale. It is delicious, and you can find it anywhere the NSLC sells beer. And if you're not drinking and you want to look like our brother from another mother out in Kuwait, you want to get the, the right clothing to wear, so you want liftoffapparel.ca. You want to go there and order anything you want. They got leggings, shorts, shirts, muscle shirts, women's stuff. <laughs> I don't know what they wear. Those bra things, sports bras and halter tops, I guess they're called. I don't know. But anyway, go there. You get a discount. 15% uh, off your views, unfiltered. And with hockey season just around the corner for those who are going to be playing this year, maybe it's a good idea to get stocked up on some custom made equipment that fits your needs. Go to our friends at no name hockey.co and uh, use Habs 10 to save 10% on any purchase of custom made sticks, gloves, uh, 
jerseys, socks, uh, hockey bags, whatever it is you need, they've got it. Do they have cups? Cups? Yeah, custom-made cups. Like in shock straps? Yeah, custom-made ones. I've never had to order anything custom-made. Uh, I'm just a normal guy. Yeah, mine needs to be really tiny. <laughs> so It's all the steroids. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, all right so enough with our uh our plugging we'll just dive right into the hockey now um i'd like to start off with Yurav Slavkovsky. so this summer he has returned home and he actually just won um he dominated an awards gala in slovakia he was named the best forward and best player under 20 and also the Slovak player of the year being the youngest player to win that. Yeah. Good for him. He's uh Reagan in the awards. Now I've been taking some criticism about Slavoski because I've been talking good about him when before I was on the right train. <laughs> uh, all I want to say is I never bashed Slavkovsky. I never said he was a bad pick. I just thought at the time of the draft, right would be the better pick. Um, having said that, I have no issue with Slavoski being picked. Uh, I do think he has work to do. Uh, I think what he did in Slovakia is great. And I think he deserves all the awards he got because last year for his country, he was the best player in the country. Um, at every, uh, he was a leading scorer at every, uh, tournament they had, they were in and, uh, you know, and all things going up. So let's get that out of the way first. Uh, cause I was taking a little bit of heat for it and Blaine, you will know, I had an epiphany the morning of the draft. Um, and I said to you, I said, I think the Habs are going to pick Slavosk Slavkovsky. And, uh, a lot of it had to do with, uh, Julia there from elite prospects when we seen her at the seminar, what she said, and it made perfect sense. Slavosky didn't care where he got picked. He just wanted to be the best player under this year's draft uh to me that's a great character and uh, great motivation and uh, i'm happy with the pick and i'm i'm happy and excited that he's getting the uh, accolades he deserves yeah that was julie rodenheiser who came yeah. up to the uh to our sports management uh, luncheon that we were at that day and yeah. y- you're right she made some really good points on the character of the young man i mean basically for me i was also in the belief that Wright was going to be selected because the Canadians, they needed centers. They needed some Mm -hmm. depth there. They need some skill up the middle, just skill altogether. And it's not a fact of picking for need. It was just, he's the consensus number one, and he'd be the safer way to go for a new management team to go, especially if you're picking first overall in the hometown. But to their credit, they, they ignored all that and they went with the guy they felt was better off for, for what they want to do. And like you, I mean, I like Slavkovsky just fine. I think he's going to be a good player. I don't know if he's going to reach that top potential, but I hope he does. I hope he does. Um, and you can't really argue with his motivation because he's he says, I, I want to be the best from my draft class. So I hope he makes it. Um, he's winning the, the awards in Slovakia. 
I mean, you're right. He was their best player. He was the MVP at the Olympics, won them a bronze medal. Um, and, and I'm going to slide this into a transition to the World Juniors. Slovakia would be a much better team at the Ju- World Juniors had Slavkovsky and his teammate, also Habs prospect, Philip Meshar, had joined the team. Because they got spanked by Canada 11-1. They barely got past uh, Latvia in overtime. You put those two guys on the team, they still lose to Canada, but maybe it's 6-2 to two or 7-3. to three, And they beat Latvia clean. And maybe they even beat Chechia clean. Well, exactly. Chechia, mind you, Chechia looked well against Canada yesterday. Um, but that was mostly goaltending that saved their necks there. Um, <laughs> it basically had a shot per minute. Yeah. Um, hey, come on. But I do agree. If Slovakia had those two players, uh, Messar and uh, um, Slavkovsky, they would be a different team. Uh, you know, Slavkovsky himself, I think, would have uh, created space for the other players because he would be the guy that they'd, uh, you know, that you'd have to protect against. Um, uh, having said that, they're not playing for them. And uh, um, there's a reason for that because I think uh, the Canadians want them both to start playing in North America and get ready for their uh, pro career or in the OHL. I think they're both got rights in the OHL. London for Slavkowski. I don't don't think either are going to be in the CHL at all. I mean, uh, I don't either. holds the rights to Slavkowski. I'm not sure who has, if anyone has Messer, I don't know. Someone has, has his rights. I can't for the life of me remember who it is, but I believe it's also in the OHL. Kitchener. Kitchener owns his rights. Okay. So Um, I I don't think either one of them play there. I think they both go to Laval. Um, Well, actually, I think Slavoski starts with Montreal and then see how he goes before he hits the 10-game mark and then go from there. I I think that's what happens with him. Well, the 10-game mark doesn't matter if you're playing pro. That's correct. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah. So I think he starts in Montreal. Whether he stays in Montreal, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm with you and I have no issue with him going to the AHL. I have no issue with that. And if uh, this team's going to be all about the development and Martin St. Louis, who's come out and said, quote, unquote, I am not going to sacrifice development for wins um, or something similar to that. I shouldn't say quote, unquote, it's something it's a, along those lines, something along those lines. Um, then I don't really have any issue with Slavoski being in Montreal either. Because if he's going to be developing just while in Montreal and he's used to playing against men, he's used to playing against, you know, uh, it's just him getting used to the North, the smaller North American ice. Um, then I, I have no issue with that. But if he's floundering in Montreal, then you got to send him to the AHL where he can get top minutes. So, yeah, they're going to get, I think they're going to give him every chance and every opportunity yeah. in Montreal. He'll probably start, say, on a third line with someone like a Dvorak, or even he might even start with Doc. So start there, start lower in the lineup, and then work his way up if they feel it necessary. Give him power play time because I think uh, Burroughs has mentioned uh, after the development camp that they had right, at, right after the, the draft, he was there and he mentioned how big he was, how fast he was, how efficient he was at winning the puck battles along the boards and then going to the net. So he talked a little bit about using him as a power play weapon. So that would be a good way to start. And and if he does well, he stays. If he doesn't, yeah, send him to Laval. 
I mean, they could do the same thing with him they did with Nick Suzuki. Julian did with Nick Suzuki. Started him on the fourth line, actually. I, I wouldn't start Slavoski on the fourth line, but started him on the, and then he just worked his way up and never lost, never lost a spot. Uh, I, you know, I have no issue with that. It is an old school way to do it. But like you say all the time, Blaine, put him in the positions that you want him to play in. So he learns that's where he's at. So, I mean, if you want this guy for the power play, put him on the power play, sink or swim. I mean, this is the season you can sink or swim with all your players. It doesn't matter. You're you're not making the playoffs. You're not uh, sinking really. Yeah. You're, you know, I mean, I personally believe they're going to be bottom 10, not bottom five, but who cares? They finish bottom five. They get a great draft pick. It's it's another good season. Another, another chance to get a great draft pick. And uh, you move on from there. They are finally doing what Bergevin either wouldn't do or wasn't allowed to do. Uh, and that's uh, when he first started, when he first started and that's start from scratch and say, you know what, we're going to suck for a couple of years. Let's benefit from that and then turn this team into a contender. Yeah. Um, even uh, Marco D'Amico on TSN 690 on Sunday, the 14th, as we record is Sunday, the 14th. Marco this morning mentioned that he believes that the Canadians are going to have the most goals against in the NHL. And I can't really disagree with you. Look at the blue line. It's in such disarray. You know, you don't know. There's no true number one. There's no, no one pairing you look at and you're like, yeah, that's a great pairing. So I can see it price being an issue. We'll get to that in a little bit. So yeah, I can totally see this year not really being that good. So why not take chances, throw guys in, try them out. There's going to be a ton of uh, movement between Laval and Montreal. They're going to give pretty much everybody a chance. And one of those players is also at the world juniors right now. And that's Ian Mishak. He, I think he's going to, he's going to start in Laval and I think he'll get a call up to see where he's at and maybe a, as a reward, but in the world Juniors so far with Chech, uh, with the uh, Chechen team, he's the captain for the third time and he is their top player. And I'm going to be honest. He looked good against Canada, but he w- there was nothing he could do to slow them down. Canada's got three huge lines that are just flying right now. And where do you put Meshach? Who do you put him up against? McTavish, his uh, his Hamilton teammate, or do you put him up against uh, Vlas line because they were dominating possession? Like what? There was no matter who you put him up against, at least two other lines. Uh yeah, I. I'm going to say, yes, Meshach played well, considering no one on that team played well. Because, um, like you said, Canada just Canada just dominated that game. And if it wasn't for their goalie, that game would have been 13, 14 to whatever it was, one or two or whatever oh, they yeah. scored. But uh, um, so Meshach, so... Some people say, oh, my God, he looked terrible. Well, yeah, and and considering, yeah, because everyone looked terrible against Canada, but he was taking the brunt of the minutes. He was up against the top lines, and it's like you said, all right, he plays against McTavish. Well, since they moved Waugh down to the second line, now you got another formidable line that can do just as well. Um, so I'm impressed with Meshack. Uh, take Canada game away because nobody on Chechia played well in that Canada game. Um, 
but if you're going to pick one out, he would be him and the goaltender would probably be the two best players on the ice. Uh, you can tell that he is here when the other, you know what I mean? Tetsuya, other players are around there. So you can tell he's at that extra step. Um, and yeah, I can, uh, he's going to be in Laval. Um, and I can see him getting a, a sh- I think you're going to see a lot of guys get a shot with Montreal this year. I think, like you said, there's going to be a rotation. Um, another guy who we're probably going to talk, well, we're going to talk about the Canada guys too, but uh, uh, I think same with the defense. You talk about the defense. I think you're going to see a rotation of the young defenders go through Laval and Montreal as well, like Harris, Barron, uh, Jack Eye, Gooley. I think you're going to see all those guys see NHL time but also being the AHL. Now you say jump them up and down, it's going to ruin their development, not if they're playing. It's not going to ruin their development. If, if, if you bring them up to sit them in the press box, that's what ruins their development. If you bring them up, see how well they are in certain situations at the NHL level and go, okay, he needs more work at this. You send them back down so we can, you know, you talk to the, uh, um, you talk to Hool down in the at Laval and say, hey, we need this guy work, you know, Gooley needs to work on this to take that extra step. And, and to me, that's what good development is between the two. And they have that flexibility because you don't have to worry about waivers with these guys. It's, Hey, Montreal isn't playing for a week. You, 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 and you go down to Laval and get some ice time in Um, and vice versa. Right. So uh, it's going to be an interesting year. You're going to see a lot of movement, especially with the young guys. Um, And we're going to get to the, I, I agree with Marco. I think the goals against will be up and they'll probably be, they were the worst defensive team last year. They finished the, uh, they finished at 29th, I believe. Was it 29th? I thought they were around overall, 30. But they were close. Uh, but yeah. under, under St. Louis over his time as a head coach, just the 37 games. And in that time frame with all the others, I, they were around 19th. So not good, but better. I mean, we'll we'll get in we'll get into this later. Um, <laughs> but going back to the World Juniors and the prospects, uh, I think Joshua was having a hell of a World Junior. Uh, he had the five point night the other night with uh, McTavish getting his four goals, five points. I think he had five goal, four, four. three assists, four. four goal, three assists. Yeah, four point night. Yeah. Um, good for him to. Uh, take away maybe one of his own goals to give to McTavish so he can hit four. Um, that shows, that shows class and leadership and, you know, unselfishness. I don't think Joshua, Joshua was sees Montreal next year, but. Uh, no, no. He's going to return to the queue. Yeah. But in this tournament, I mean, he's doing all those little things that translate well to a pro career. And that's, you know, battling in the corners, playing well defensively, uh, finding ways to the front of the net, making plays in tight spaces. And he's he's doing the dirty work that allowed his line mates to shine. And then when he moved down to the third line with Grieg, um, he was he was the catalyst for that line. So he's showing me he can play up and down a lineup and do all those little things that bring success in a professional game. So I think this is a big step for his progression. He's not going to be on the NHL team because he he's not, it, it, he either makes the NHL or he plays junior. So he's going to be in junior. So have another dominant year junior 
and then from there you can move on yeah and uh just so everyone knows his him going down to the uh, third line was not a demotion it was a it no. was canada spreading out their offense so just so everyone knows the, how the game and look how the game turned out against Chechi, the Chechens. Yeah. By doing that, uh, doing that one trade-off, that one move, they now have three lines that can dominate possession at all times. Yeah, and and, and the issue they're having at the first of the game was they couldn't they couldn't score. All their their the uh, yeah. uh, Chechia took away the center of the ice. A lot of their shots were coming from outside perimeter. The goalie is making saves like crazy. Uh, and and Cheche did a great job of shutting their power play down, especially on that five-minute power play. Um, so props to Cheche on that. But then once they realized that, wait a minute, we got three lines that could be a first line on any other team, uh, they, that's when Canada just started put, putting the game away. And they wore them down. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, throughout the game, Mishak, played well and he was just he he couldn't carry a team to win a game against a team like Canada and Canada's missing a ton of players that could have been at this tournament as well and yet this shows the depth in the Canadian system there is a ton of great players there so agreed it brings us to one that's in and out of the lineup right now and that's Riley Kidney uh yeah he might uh Someone was hurt yesterday, so uh, he might get in on the next game. Um, uh, let's let's reiterate: Riley Kidney and Joshua were not originally on Team Canada uh, in in December. So uh, I'm not even sure was Riley Kidney at camp before December. So so that this is a big step for him, and uh, for him to even to be on the team is is, is good is it's a good thing for him now. What he has to do now is when he is playing, he has to really step his game up and show them that he deserves to stay there. And I'm not saying that he's going to take anyone's spot, even if he does, because like you said, the team's so deep. Um, I mean, you got a guy that probably any other year would have been at least a third line player. Um, so it'll be interesting to see Kidney and, and what he does if he plays the next game, which I think he, I think he, he should, or he will be. Um, and uh, to see where he does. I mean, good for him. Uh, Riley Kidney had a great season last year. Uh, he got some time in the AHL. I don't think he played a game, though, but he did uh, practice in that with the team. He got one game. one game. Did he get one game? Yeah, I know Joshua Waugh got a couple games reg season and then a couple games in the playoffs. Um, <clears throat> so it, it'll, be, it, it'll be interesting. But, like, everyone develops differently. So I'm not going to... I'm not going to sit there and say Kidney's not as good as anyone else. I'm just going to say he's in a different spot in his development than he had, say, with Joshua Law or Mysack or anything yeah. like that. And keep in mind, too, uh, there's still another tournament that's coming up here in Halifax in December. So a few Correct. months from now, there is another World Junior. So whatever Kidney does here, if as long as he's – you know, he goes into practice, does his job, you know, works his tail off, does whatever the team asks him to be a good, play, a good team guy. He'll be back for the camp in December. Yeah. Maybe he gets a bigger role. So same with the WAF. I mean, they can both come back. They can both play. So this is also setting up for 
the 2023 tournament. Mm-hmm. I think that's where Kidney, if he if he's on the team, which I think he will be, just based on the fact he's on the team now, and I can't see too much changing in what three months, four months. Um, yeah. Uh, that's where he's going to need to shine because a lot of these players that are in a tournament now probably won't be there in December, Um, you know, due to maybe playing in the NHL, maybe playing somewhere else. Well, if he can, uh, yeah, if he can and do well, like you say, and do what he needs to do, be a team player, uh, stuff like that, even if it means riding the press box, you know, come out, work hard in practices, it's going to guarantee him that spot in December and hopefully he can uh, get the chances in December to show that he deserves to be there. I agree. And uh, you look at Finland, Finland's another team that has two Montreal Canadiens prospects in uh, Pateri Nurmi and Oliver Kapanen. Um, Nurmi's on their top pairing and he's, he's the one taking on more of the defensive responsibilities to allow a freewheeling puck mover who just happens to be a Leafs prospect. So now he is the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> but Nurmi's doing all the dirty work, allowing him to, to do what he does best. And that's not play defense. Well, like most, like most Leafs, Leafs prospects. Like most Leafs yeah. prospects. But, but Finland's uh, looking pretty good. And they're, they're the next team that Canada's going to be up against. Yeah. And they're going to yeah. be, uh, they're going to be fighting for that top spot in their pool. Yeah, and Captain uh, Cap- is an interesting uh, pick for the Canadians too because uh, you don't really hear a lot about him, but everyone talks highly of him. And uh, I mean, we when you have the cupboards as full as Montreal does, you're going to have to realize that not only these guys are going to make the NHL, at least with Montreal. Um, so, I mean, what's what's the defenseman? Nurmi? Is it Nurmi? Yeah, Pateri Nurmi. He's an overager they picked yeah. in this year's yeah. draft. Yeah, so Nurmi was just drafted this year, so we got time to wait on him. He is an overager, so you never know. You might see him in the AHL next year. You might see him in the SHL next year. Who knows where he's going to be? Um, but with Kapanen, Kapanen, he he uh, was drafted last year, 2020? Yeah, he was drafted last year. Second round. second round pick. Yeah, second round pick. He uh, there's, there's some hope for him to make it, uh, you know. And, and like I say, when you have cupboards – as full as Montreal, you can't look at every prospect and go, oh, this guy's going to be this and this guy's going to be that. So there's a big, you know, they all have to really step their game up and say, hey, if I'm going to get jump leapfrog these guys in the in the depth charts, I got to really start doing this. And uh, I think Captain is one of those guys that could do that. Um, you know, there were some high hopes when he was drafted in the second round. And uh, we'll see where it goes. This, I mean, the World Junior Tournament is always a tournament that make can kind of make or break someone. It, you know, anyone who succeeds at the World Juniors plays in the NHL. It's it's almost a guarantee. For the most part, yeah. I'm not saying they're successful and, and, in the NHL. I'm just saying they end up playing in the NHL. <laughs> yeah. Now, with with the uh, that deep prospect pool that you're talking about. Uh, it's especially the forwards that are going to have to show that they can do more than just play center or play wing. They got to be a little bit more, um, more uh, willing to play in roles that they're not necessarily good at right now. So they got to improve on those other areas because there's a more of a competition. Whereas when you look at the defense, 
Montreal's defensive prospects, I mean, there's some good ones, but it's not that deep, especially on the right side. There's there's Justin Barron, who's going to be getting his NHL shot this year, and I think he'll look pretty good overall uh, by the end of the season. And then it's a gigantic drop-off, and it goes to someone who's not even signed, and that's Logan Mayu. Well... <laughs> Logan Mayu. So Logan Mayu last year was pretty much barred from any Montreal events or doing anything with Montreal, including development camps, uh, their little weight room thing that they do uh, with with the rookies and stuff like that. And uh, he wasn't invited to anything publicly related to Montreal um, for good reason, which we don't need to get into. Everybody knows the story. Um, however, this year, after Hughes has said a few times, uh, we want to see how he develops as a person more so than how he develops as a player. Uh, I'm starting to think that maybe they they're starting to be okay with the way he is as a person. Now uh, he, what he did come to the development camp this year, right after the draft uh, due to a shoulder injury, he didn't participate. He did on our on ice drills alone, but he didn't participate in any, uh, on ice contact or anything like that he was at all their meetings he was at all their you know non-ice practices non-ice workouts in the gym and all this kind of stuff uh he was working with uh uh mary philippe poulin he was working with uh uh what's his name the uh development guy uh adam nichols adam nicholas adam nicholas he was working with him uh and uh Vincent LeCavier, he was working with him as well on the ice. So even though Montreal hasn't signed them, but they're, they're, I don't think the reason is personal anymore. I think it's because he's only played like 16 games in the past two seasons. Um, yeah. And then he was out with an injury. So he had a big start last year with uh, London. Um, he had what, a point per game? I think he had nine points in nine games. I think he ended up with, 14 points in 16 games before he went down with a shoulder injury. Uh, but he also just this weekend was with uh, Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson at the Lasso country festival in Montreal. Um, so not only is he showing up to development camps, but he's also now presenting the Montreal Canadians. Um, so that's a big step. That's a big step for Logan Mayu. Uh, and it's a big step for the Canadians because if this kid's as good as his 16 games showed last year, uh, you could have a top four defense, right-handed defenseman on your hand who can move the puck and shoot and do almost anything he wants, really. Um, yeah. I mean, a six foot four defenseman that can move like that, they're not easy to find. And, and this summer, he's been training in Montreal. So that's another, uh, another aspect that yeah. we should take into account. But that brings me to, depending on who you ask, he's either overrated or underrated. What do you think? I think 16 games isn't enough to tell, really. Um, how how can you say he's overrated or underrated when you've only seen 16 games? And let's be honest, his first nine games is when he scored most of his points. So the seven games after that, he only had five points. I mean, still, he's still almost a point per game player. And it shows that he can be a dominant defenseman in the OHL. Um, but I, I think 
what he does in the OHL this year will determine him. He's going to get signed, I think, regardless. But what he does this year, that's when you can sit there and say if he's overrated or underrated, if he plays an entire season. It's too early to yeah, tell. Yeah. You, you can't tell. I, I don't think the hockey side is going to be the issue for him. It's still that personal aspect because of what he did. Now, has he um, rehabbed his image enough? And for some people, it will never be enough. And I cannot blame them. I mean, what he did was horrible. But there's other people who have done much worse who are still revered. So where's the line? Why is it okay for all those other people but not him? If we're going to chastise him and bar him from playing, we should do the same with all the others who have done that or worse. We would lose half the league. But anyway. um well, just judging by all the shit going on with Hockey Canada, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't be against it myself, but we, one, we don't know how many people have done this shit. And two, how many hockey players would be left? They'd all be in Russia. The, the KHL would look pretty good. Talent-wise. Um, here's the issue I have with it. So I'm over and done with what he did. Like, as long as the the victim is taken care of and satisfied. Uh, and I don't know that nothing's really come out. I know they, he has spoken to them. I know the team has spoken to them. I know uh, part of him moving forward has a lot to do by what management has said. Um, mm-hmm. So, but in, in my case, it, it, it's over and done with. Um, it's not the worst thing to happen in hockey. Um, but it's, it's not, you know, it's not something that should be tolerated either. Um, but here's the issue. If he is successful and he becomes this big high scoring top four defenseman, no one's going to give a shit. No one's going to actually, care. I think that there's, there's some people that will stick to their values and will stick will. to that point. And, and I respect them for that. But others, if he takes off and goes somewhere else and meets that that potential, they would shit all over the team for letting him walk. For letting him go. I, but I think even if he's successful in Montreal, you're going to see a lot. Like, you're, well, you're absolutely right. You're going to see the hardcore, this guy's this, ban him for life, get him out of here, yada, yada, yada. Fine. I respect your opinion. I respect your your stance. I understand it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but, you know, and I don't agree with it because, you know, I believe what he's doing and what he's willing to do, uh, he's regretting what he did. He he realizes what he did was wrong and he wants to correct himself. Um, everything he said, everything, he's been very forward with the media. He's been very forward with... I mean, as a matter of fact, we wouldn't even know who he was if it wasn't him saying, letting the media release his name in the interview he did. Um, whether that's PR, whether that's his handlers doing that all for him, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant because, anyway, uh, not to get in too deep to this because it's it's talked about yeah. enough. Um, I just believe when a player is successful and they're they're helping your team win, people seem to forget the other side of things. So yeah. Uh, I think it's a moot point now. 
He's either going to be a Montreal Canadian or he's not. He's either going to be successful, successful, or he isn't. Yeah, and uh, I want to stick to just the hockey because the rest is a gigantic minefield. And I'm going to be honest. I agree with you. I think he's going to end up getting signed just because. Now, are they going to sign him so they can trade his rights? If the if let's say another team is interested in him, they could sign him and trade that trade him. Um, but if they don't sign him, that's not that bad either. You still end up with a, compens- a compensatory second round pick. And that's why I don't think the calls for renouncing the pick are, are a good idea. Because either he can turn into something that you can trade or even in your system, or you let it go and you get a pick. I, uh, I think they sign him, and yeah. but I think it's going to be based on. I I think the personal stuff they're starting to be okay with by allowing him to be a bit of a face yeah. of the team. They they wouldn't allow that if they they didn't think he was personally progressing. Um, so now we got to look at the hockey side of things. Is he the player they think he is in the OHL? This season will determine that. I mean, if he comes out and he's a dud in the OHL and he's injury prone or he, he just doesn't meet the expectations, then they'll be like, well, all right, let him go. You know what I mean? We'll take that second round pick instead. We'll take that second round pick, you know, because technically he was the last pick of the draft. So he was borderline second round pick anyway. Um, however, he was the no. last pick because of other reasons. So true. Um, and, and you look at the Hunter brothers and what they did, to integrate him into their team once his suspension in the OHL was up, they traded away their top right-handed defenseman to make room for him on their top pairing. And he hadn't even played a game yet that year. So that says a lot about what they expect from him in London. Um, And the Hunter brothers are well-known for developing NHL players. So another year under the Hunter brothers, and if he's healthy, we're going to see a lot more out of him. So uh, that part of it, the development side, I'm not, too concerned with for me it's the health can he play a full season and if he can't don't sign him and take that second round pick it's really a a, a no lose situation right now for uh for hughes because he he can either get a decent prospect or a pick whichever one he wants so that part i can understand and i if he's not signed this summer he won't be able to go to that rookie tournament that's going to be going on in buffalo and that's coming up in a couple of weeks and the Canadians have a plethora of prospects that are going to show what they got when they go there. Now, is there any one that you would like to watch? Caden Gooley. I want to see if Caden Gooley, if he's dominant in that tournament, that will tell me that he's going to start in the NHL or not. Um, when I say start in the NHL, I mean not necessarily be there the entire year. I mean, maybe start the season there. Um, that's who I'm interested in seeing just because with the WHL, I didn't, I don't see a lot of Caden Gooley. I don't see a lot of his play uh, except highlights and stuff like that. So I want to see what he does in the non highlights. Um, watching highlights is great, but you're only going to see what they do good. So, uh, you know, I want to see, 
Like, uh, what does he need to improve on? Uh, you know, can this easily be fixed with the right development? Um, but he's the one I'm most interested in seeing is Gooley and uh, Arbor Jackeye. You know, I'm a huge Arbor Jackeye fan. Um, I want to see how well he does and uh, whether or not, I mean, these are all rookies. They're all around the same age, but it's, 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 it's still an NHL style look because uh, they're all potential NHL players. Uh, so those are the two guys that I'm looking at at, at the most because they're the two guys for me that I think are going to be future defensemen with the, with the, with the Canadians. So I'm kind of with you as well on the blue line. There's, there's two guys that I want to see on the blue line and how they fare against uh, better competition than, you know, I mean, this is going to be a bunch of guys who are the best players of their teams in junior uh, some of them with experience in the AHL. So uh, Jordan Harris, I want to see how he does because he only had eight games at the pro level. I want to see how he does with a larger role, uh, give him, give him a top pairing role and see what happens. I want to see how he reacts, how he, if he can take over a game like he did in the NCAA. And the other player is uh, Justin Barron. I want to see how his ankle has recovered because watching him here when he's training in Halifax, he looks like he's moving well, but he's not going up against full contact. He's not going up against high-end competition because he's playing against a bunch of old beer leaguers and a couple NHLers. Uh the thing I uh the thing I liked about Justin Barron is when he got injured, uh just right up until he got injured, he didn't look out of place in the NHL. He didn't look uh you know what I mean? Like you look at a rookie sometimes yeah. and you're like, okay, yeah, he's there, but you know, he looked pretty much all right. He looked comfortable, he looked, you know, he's gonna make his mistakes. He's a rookie, of course he's gonna make his mistakes. Um but uh uh, that and then he got in, and then it just seemed like he was going this way. Then he got hurt, and now you got to kind of back that bus up a bit and see what, uh, yeah, how, how it goes from there. Um, but I mean, and, and especially with uh, Robodoc coming in as a coach uh, for the defense in Montreal, I think that's going to help him if he sticks in Montreal full season. Yeah, I truly believe Baron does, and I think a lot of it has to do yeah. with the lack of right-handed defensemen. Um, There's that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Barron plays a full season in Montreal. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys rotating down to the AHL. 90% because they don't have enough right-handed defensemen. Although Schooneman can play both sides and I believe so can uh, Matheson. So. And and Harris. And Harris. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll rotate with say like a Gooley and maybe a Jack guy every once in a while. And I, I have no issue with that. I have no issue with – because you don't want to get these guys up there and have them as the fifth, sixth, seventh defenseman. Uh, if that's not where their career is going to be in Montreal, you need them to rotate up into that top four. Maybe not the top pairing, but, you know, put them on with uh, – and move Edmondson over, I guess, if you want them. You know what I mean? Like you got to – you got to move them. And I think Weidman's going to be a good teacher there as well, like on that bottom pairing. I think – Weidman's very underrated for his uh, um, leadership skills, I think. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I, I think he was a good fit in Montreal last year on that bottom pairing. He, they paired him up with Harris a few times. He was paired up with uh, 
Schooneman, and they did well, and he communicated well with them and, and, and stuff like that. So I think, I mean, Weidman's not your greatest defensive defenseman, um, but he's not terrible either. Like, he's not a Gustafson. He's not all offense and no defense. Um, you he's know, a guy but, that's had to learn the position. He's had to figure out tricks yeah. of the trade to make himself more efficient, which is also helpful when he's passing it on to the young guys. I mean, yeah. you just listen to what he was saying on the Raw Knuckles podcast uh, that just came out this week, and he walked through his entire career, how he got to where he is, and his, his mental state where he is now and and everything shows that he is a leader. He is uh, someone who's going to help the youth, just like you mentioned. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I don't think people see that in Wyman. They see what he said in the taxi when he was in Ottawa and uh, you know, which I respect him for, which he wasn't lying. (laughs) Who hasn't shit on their boss. I mean, let's be honest. Who in, who has a job that hasn't gone gone out for a beer with a friend and just just shit all over their boss i know people do it to me as i'm their boss i walk in and they were shitting on me you know make it you know saying crap about me i let it slide i really don't give a shit you people are allowed to vent and what happened there was the the uber driver released a freaking video and it, it was dirty it was underhanded uh, if anyone deserves a punch in the mouth it's the uber driver I agree. I agree. And, uh, but just getting back to Wyman, I think he's going to be good for the young guys development. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough year for the defense next year for Montreal. Um, yeah. Cause I'll say this, I like Matheson, but he's not the defender Petrie was and Petrie wasn't that great of a defender either. So, uh, well, Petrie actually, Petrie looked like a problem. Petrie looked like, and then he looked like Phil Bork the other game back of the defense. So Petrie was weird on defense. Like one game you watched him, you're like, man. And then he has these huge brain farts. But uh, Kulak was the same way, actually. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, Brett Kulak was the same yeah. way. But uh, I think Masson's a little bit the same. Mas- I think Matheson is Petrie six years ago. <laughs> really? It's, it, yeah, you know, honestly, I, I yeah. agree. Um, I think... <laughs> Matheson is ideal for a second pair, but the yeah. problem is in Montreal, he's, he's going to have to play top pair minutes. And same with David Savard. David Savard's a great second, third pair defenseman, but he's going to have pair, to yeah. play top pairing. And I, I've heard it. I wrote an article about trading Jake Allen. And for some reason, everyone wants Savard traded, even though he doesn't play goal. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, he's the worst defenseman in the league, which is wrong. He was one of the better Montreal defensemen when he came back from his injury under Martin St. Louis. But sure, whatever. Uh, but you have a guy who's a uh, four, five, six guy playing two guy. You know, yeah, it doesn't you're work. Not, you're not setting him up for success. Right. Um, and then you're going to have... Of course, mm-hmm. Matheson on the on the on the left side, who's again a number two three guy, and he's going to be I'd say three four, sure, and he's going to be one two. Then, of course, you got Edmondson and probably Barron on your second pairing. Yeah, now you got now you're going into the youth, the, the inexperience, yeah. and Weidman's Weidman's good and all, but he's more of a third pairing defender who can take some power play time. Right, and- so. The Canadians overall on defense, 
they're not that good. There's going to be some good pieces in there, but everybody's playing outside of the role they should be playing it uh, and well above it. Exactly. And that's the problem. So we got to take it with a grain of salt. Some of these guys are going to make some errors because they're playing against better opposition than they should be. So, yeah, I can see why Marco D'Amico mentions, hey, they're going to give up a lot of goals. And, and that brings me to what you mentioned, Jake Allen, how people are talking about trading Jake Allen. And the Canadians are going to need solid goaltending to kind of insulate that defense. Now, the big question mark is, is Carey Price going to play? Stephen Waite know. thinks so. Stephen Waite thinks he's going to play. It, yeah. And even if he does play, is he going to be the carry price of old? No. He's 35 years old uh, in a couple of days, and he's on the downward slope of a wonderful career that's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But a guy with knee injuries who can maybe play 40 to 45 games, is he going to steal games for the Canadians? Uh, Do you really want him to? These These are the questions that are hanging over the team right now. Well, maybe Price looks at the defense and goes, you know what, guys? My knee really isn't great. Uh, I'm just going <laughs> to sit this one out. Um, so I, I did an article, Toot Toot, um, about Allen being maybe traded to Vegas because Vegas literally has no goalies. Like Brassot's on the IR. Leonard's now on the long-term IR. Now, Brassot will probably be back next year, but Brassot's not a number not, – he's not a starting goaltender. What about Thompson? He's, he's Too young? He got – he got 12 games career in the NHL. Like, do you, do you want to throw him into that? And Vegas is a team who's looking to make the playoffs. You know, they're a team that, hey, <laughs> we're a playoff team. We just have this big hole in our nets. Um, so my suggestion was Jake Allen could be a good move, even though I think he has more value at the trade deadline. But he could be a good move for Vegas. Not so much for Montreal to pick up picks and prospects, but for so Montreal to dump dump a salary so montreal calls vegas and say hey you need a goalie we think price is going to be healthy for the season we don't really care if we make the playoffs or not right um so if we have to go with montembeau we'll go with montembeau we're okay with that um we'll trade you allen but we want you to take joel armia and it's three and a half million or Expiring contract, probably going LTR, IR, Paul Byron. If you do that, we'll take a second or third pick. The second would have to be 2024, but, uh, and, and we'll, we'll call it even. Montreal loses, you know, 5 million on their, on their cap with the 2.8 and the 3.4, a little almost 6, 6 million. And then they sign Doc, they sign Primo, and they have a little bit of money in the bank in case they need to pick a goalie off the waiver wire or sign a free agent goalie to help uh, if Price isn't healthy. That was my suggestion. Um, mine was more looking at use Allen as a way to dump some salary and get rid of a high-paid bottom six winger um, and give room for maybe a, a Yelonen or a someone like that to pop uh, Harvey Pinard or someone like that to pop up into the into the Habs lineup because right now if you're a winger in the Habs organization you're stuck in Laval unless an injury happens <laughs> and I agree I think that's a good uh, a good way to look at it if you're going to move Jake Allen mm. 
use it to an advantage, get something of value in return. It's, and I agree, it's not going to be, you're not going to trade them for a first round pick. I mean, it's ridiculous, but teams like Dallas who need goaltending Vegas, who are definitely in need of goaltending. If the Canadians are able to offload an Armia or someone else with him, especially Vegas was into the LTIR money. Now they can, they can do that. They can go over the cap by a little bit. I think it's, I think they're going to be able to go over by about four and a half, $5 million now, whatever Leonard's contract was, I think it was 5 million. Leonard's five. They got Shea Weber at 7.8. So they got, uh, there you go. Yeah, that's right. I I almost forgot about that. Yeah. They got almost 14 million in in LTIR relief. So, so, why not? Why not? Yeah. They use your LTIR. That they're a team that's going to be spending money hand over fist anyway. So why not? <clears throat> Although I don't know why they didn't use some of that money on Pacioretty, but uh, that's that's on them. Um, yeah. Well, I don't yeah. think Pacioretty is a fan of Vegas, so <laughs> it's weird. Um, but no, I mean, if it, if you do move out, and that does leave Montembeau and price. Now that's where the whole question mark with price comes in. Montembeau played 38 games last year. And I mean, he had some good games. He had some bad games. He played hurt throughout some of that. So, I mean, would I care if he played 40 to 45 games? Not really. I think he's going to do what he did last year and have a save percentages around 895 to 900. Was he that high last year? I think he was 898. Just don't quote me on that, but it's around there. Uh, But if he can be in that range, I mean, it's not going to do much to help the defense. And they are going to lose games because of it. But he's not that bad that they're going to be blown out of the water. Well, well, I'm not a Montembeau fan. (laughs) But no, and I mean, uh, I like the guy for what he is, but he's not, he's not a, an NHL. He's not, an, he's not an NHL. I don't think he's an NHL backup. But having said that, this season, who cares? Really? Who, who, you know, like, exactly. Who cares? Because Montreal, A, is not making the playoffs. I highly doubt they finish higher than bottom 10. Um, if Price is unhealthy and they trade Allen, you're looking at bottom five. Um, and who cares? Like, if if anyone thinks Montreal is making the playoffs this year, you're you're living in you're living in a pipe dream. I highly doubt they make the playoffs next year. Um, I just want to see progression and the development. This year is all about development. I want to see the Goolies and the Yolanins and the and the Harrises and the and the Caulfields and the Suzuki's all improve. That's what I want to see. I don't care about Huffman. I don't care about, I, I like to see Gallagher have a good season. I mean, there are, if you look at the team overall, they're not a terrible team. Their forward group is not bad. I mean, you have to put a Drew and a Huffman and a Dadanov on your fourth line. I'm not complaining about that, right? you got a 20 goal scorer on your fourth line. Um, but when you look at defense, you're like, <laughs> and then if you don't Sometimes have price, either, they're either too young or they're not that good. They're not good enough to play in the role. Correct. I mean, they have good defensemen. Evanson, Savard, 
Matheson and Weidman are all good defensemen, but they're all bottom six, bottom two bottom pairing defensemen. They're 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 they're, they're two through four or three four three through six, right? Yeah. You don't have a a Weber slash. You don't have a Markov PK Subban. Here I said it. You don't have a Markov PK Subban, right? They could get PK Subban. No, I meant PK Subban <laughs> when he played with Georges and Markov. And he didn't have yeah. to worry about his inability to play defense. <laughs> so um, they don't have that. So, but that's okay because we don't care that we don't have that this year because your Caden Gooley's and your Jordan Harris's and maybe your, your Logan Mayus are going to be maybe in the future, your one, two guys, maybe, maybe Montreal doesn't have a superstar, doesn't have a bonafide top line, top pairing guy in their system Gooley maybe I think Gooley teeters on that but uh he's the defense guy that's going to be on the top pairing not the not in my opinion um so yeah like I look at it and go who cares like why are you so worried about winning games right like this is not the year we need to worry about winning games year three next year and the year after that's when you got to start worrying about progressing and winning games not now and that's why next year there's going to be all that extra cap space as well. So they got room to extend Caulfield. They got room to make uh, a couple of signings to kind of support the younger players who have taken that next step yeah. this season. So this is where, like you said, they have to focus on that development so that those guys are ready to take that step next year. And that's the year where they're going to be able to spend a little bit to compete for a playoff spot. And Jake Allen's contract is up at the end of this season. Will he be back the following season? I don't know. I mean, he he loves Montreal, but he likes winning hockey as well. <laughs> as well. So maybe he goes to a team that's closer to competing, and he can play in a tandem there. So why not trade him? Well, I'd... if you get something of value, Vegas, Dallas, all those guys can use a goalie, and all of them are looking at the playoffs next year. Um... Yeah. But then again, you can also wait to the trade deadline when one of these teams is desperate for a goalie and then go, all right, now I want your first round pick. <laughs> you know, So it, yeah, he it's uses in the driver's seat. He, he can move guys when he needs to, but right now he still needs to make some space yeah. to sign Kirby Doc. Yeah. Uh, they have $200,000. Uh, even if they put Byron on LTIR, that's probably only going to be half the season. So then you got to find money when he comes off it. Um, yeah, a contract could be, but it only has to be between three and four million dollars. That's all they got to move. Um, I think Doc comes in between two and a half and three and a half around that around that range. I don't think he gets past two two point five. We'll see. Uh, I think it's one point seven to two point five. That's the range I think he'll be in. Keiko got two two point two or something like that with the Rangers. They have the similar numbers, and he's in Montreal, so. You're going to have to, I, I think he gets two and a half or higher. Personally, that's what I think. Uh, if he gets 1.7, I'm dancing in the streets on it. Um, uh, so, and then you have Primo, you got to sign, but you can bury his money in the, in the, in the minors. Cause he, he, he's not, he's waiver eligible. So you can just throw him down into, he's going to be in Laval anyway. So his really isn't going to count right now. I mean, it would count now, but it won't count when the season starts. Um, so 
then you have the ten point five million dollar fucking elephant in the room <laughs> of Carey Price, which again, from reading a lot of Facebook posts, he should be traded because he's done and he's no good anymore. And Munchal can't use him. So my question to you is: Well, if he's done and he's no good, what team is going to want to take him? Well, I mean, any team would love a guy like that because he's done. Or just buy him out. I mean, the guy with the full no move clause, and you might save what is it like fifty grand? All right. So you buy Carey Price out. You still got to pay over eight, almost nine million dollars on your cap in his first four years. <laughs> because everyone seems to forget that there's signing bonuses that are involved with these buyouts. And that is calculated into the uh, AAV of the buyout in the later years. So <laughs> anyone who says buyout carry price, that would be the dumbest thing Montreal ever did because in the first four years, they save around $1.3 million a year. Then the ha- it's not over after four years, like his actual contract would be. You add four more years onto that, and now you're losing cap space each year. It's bought out. Several million so, dollars worth. Yeah, around there. Yeah. So, yeah. No. Buying out is not an option. Trading carry price is up to carry price. <laughs> Only carry price can say whether or not he's going to be traded or not because there's no move clause. So dumping Carey Price's salary to say Arizona is not going to happen because why would Carey Price want to play in his last four seasons in Arizona? Not at all. (laughs) So he would have to go to a contending team. And when I say a contending team, I mean a team that has a chance to win a Stanley Cup but just needs a goaltender. None of those teams have the cash, even if you take 50% of of, of Price's contract which again, doesn't make any sense because you're still paying $5 million a year, right? Um, To move them. So anyone sitting here saying trade carry price, you obviously have not really looked at his contract and you haven't looked at how hard that would be. The only thing I can see him doing is not caring about a cup and saying he'll go to Seattle. That's the only way I see him getting drunk. That's it. Or Vancouver. Maybe, maybe. But can Vancouver afford him? No, not unless he's at 50%. And I mean, let's be honest, trading him at a 50% cap retention is still better off than buying him out. And it doesn't matter what they do or what they want to do. Carey Price has the final say. He does. He can sit there and say, no, I want to finish my career in Montreal. And guess what? However, if he's done and not coming back, you have $10.5 million of LTIR for the next four years. Or being that, you know, Jeff Molson owns a beer company that makes a fortune, why not let him retire and then just hire him on at $10.5 million a year for four years working at the brewery? <laughs> slapping, slapping bottles and boxes. <laughs> yeah, doing the uh, Laverne and Shirley thing. <laughs> A spokesman. He's in every beer commercial. <laughs> when I go fishing, I drink Molson Canadians. When I'm out riding my bulls. I don't catch. Yeah. If I don't catch fish, I catch a hangover with Molson Canadians. <laughs> but anyway, like before yeah. you yell trade carry price, you really take a dive into what that actually means because it's not that easy. It's not. 
I agree. Now we're we're well past our hour. Uh, we've been on live on Zoom the entire time. We've been getting comments from uh, JD Lagrange has sent us comments. Uh, other listeners have sent us comments. So we want to thank everybody for interacting with us with us there. Um, do you have any final thoughts? JD, he wrote a good article about not trading island. If you want to read up that, read the other side of, of the story. Uh, that it was it was pretty good on sharing the logo. So go there and, and save that. Also, uh, our buddies at Raw Knuckles. Don't forget uh, if you're not going to listen to us, at least listen to them. Um, they have a great podcast out. Um, they've been on our show. They're good friends with 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 the show. Uh, so listen to Raw Knuckles. They have you know they've had Patcheretti on uh Caulfield Suzuki uh no they didn't have Suzuki but Caulfield um and Pacioretty's one's interesting because it has a lot of interesting comments about Vegas so um anyway other than that that's all I got to say yeah and uh for me I want to say thank you everyone for sending us these comments sending us uh, emails interacting with us um uh you know and and go check out uh Locked On Canadians Uh, I'm going to be a guest on the show this week, I believe Monday. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, we've been we've been pumping the tires of all these shows. Habs tonight, uh, locked on Canadians, Happy Hour. I'd like to I'd like to note to the folks over at Happy Hour that despite all these years, you guys didn't have me at all. But locked on Canadians, you guys, you guys are the best. It's all right. No, nobody has me on their shows, so it's okay. You do. I have you on this one all the time. Lucky you. Until Matt comes back. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> all right, so I want to thank everyone for listening, for interacting, and remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. We at Habs Unfiltered have formed partnerships with some wonderful groups that have provided us with free goods. We want to let you, our friends, join in and enjoy these products and save. No Name Hockey will provide you 10% off if you use the promo code HABS10 at nonamehockey.co. SeatGiant.com will provide you 35% off your purchasing fees if you use the code UNFILTERED20. If you are living in the Maritimes, specifically Nova Scotia, please go ahead and pay a visit to Boxing Rock Brewery. There's several locations throughout the province, Shelburne, Nova Scotia, and now one on Almond Street in Halifax. Pop in, say hi, tell them the boys at Habs Unfiltered sent you, and you will be surprised by what kind of discounts they will provide.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.